This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome in to Seattle Sports at Night. I am Seahawks insider Stacey Rost here with the quarterback, Jake Heaps. The quarterback was not at Seahawks minicamp today. You left me all by my lonesome. I'm sorry. I know you had us... I know you had us, and uh, you were holding it down. I so was standing I there looking comfortable. like a loner, getting sunburnt. Uh, please, you don't. I'm just kidding. I'm as, very as as, popular. Yeah, I was talking as, to I was, everyone. As soon as, as soon as we go out to practice, like we may walk in together, and then as soon as we step out onto the grass, Stacey's just gone. She, yeah, right. She is talking to Jake, everybody. This is this is the person who. And I've told this story before. When we walked on for the first day of OTAs, yeah, was it Pat, the tight ends coach? Yeah, Pat threw McPherson. you a pass, like, "Hey, Jake, what's up?" And threw you a ball, and all of a sudden it was like, "I am invisible, and I'm gonna just walk over here and watch the D line because Jake is talking to coaches." Yeah, well, and and usually I like to go into my little eagle's nest in the you do you know, i the look behind and me and i see you and you're at the highest possible point just perched there that's just kind of the way i see things yeah. you know from from the uh coaches tape they'll you know i want to see everything up there and i get the best view uh and you like being down on the sidelines next to everybody and, i call it in the action yeah yeah it, you're in the action and you're you know Making acquaintances with everybody, the other writers that are out there, bouncing and, around. Yeah, I, I, I just when I'm out there, I don't really like to talk to people. Like it's kind of well, weird. Like I'm just, I just really popular. So you, you are. Maybe you can't understand. I, you are, and I'm not. I'm not great <laughs> in social settings. I'm not the life of the party. Okay. I just want to go up and I want to sit up there and I just want to watch and collect my thoughts and collect my takeaways. So I knew you had us covered, but yeah, I my. Know. Uh, my back was bothering me a little bit and uh, had to go see the doctor, mm-hmm. go get things figured out. And uh, I- I'm happy to say that I will make a full recovery. Good. So, and you're here now. But yes. I will tell you, um, it was it was a bit more the same, but, but some interesting differences. And Jake and I will both get into those in the next segment when we talk about minicamp takeaways. But I think the biggest thing for me that gave me pause was actually from a press conference after practice wrapped up and we spoke with Bradley McDougal today. He said that the surgery that he had, which we knew he had because Pete Carroll said he had knee surgery in the offseason, was actually to repair a partially torn patellar tendon. Yeah, that was huge. The way it was described earlier was this kind of uh, tendonitis issue. Kind of no big deal. It was just kind of a nagging injury more than anything else and turned out to be a heck of a lot more than that. And just what it makes me think of is, A, I cannot believe Bradley McDougal played nine weeks with a partially torn patellar tendon. B, the secondary needs a veteran presence right now, and I'm wondering what it's going to look like if they don't have that. Bradley McDougal said he's feeling his best. He's expecting to be there day one of training camp. So is Pete Carroll, or at least Pete Carroll alluded to that. But it does make you wonder whether or not the secondary without some of those veterans or whether or not the defense without guys like Bobby Wagner and Bradley McDougald, can they hold their own? Right. And I went on and said uh, with Bob Grouse and Tom earlier today that this team is very different from what we've Mm -hmm. been accustomed to seeing with the Legion of Boom era and even of of last year when you still had Earl Thomas out there. And um, this group just does not have the same edge to them that you've been accustomed to seeing in practice, and that also bleeds over onto the field. And there are different styles and different ways of going about your business and being successful. When I was with the Jets, there was a great 
DB group with Daryl Revis and Antonio Cromartie mm-hmm. and 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 Marcus Gilchrist, and they they weren't super in your face, but they had an edge to them, and they did talk smack, and and they did let you know about it when they made plays, and and that's what this organization, what this culture has been for the Seattle Seahawks. And I watch practice, and you have guys like Shaq Griffin and Trey Flowers. Their personalities might be different, but Shaq is a is a loving guy, a guy that goes out there and has fun and dances around and stuff like that. But I haven't seen him talk trash to anybody. I haven't seen Shalom Luani or or Tedrick Thompson, the the two starting safeties for you, you know, out there playing with an edge, vibe. flying around. I don't feel that, especially for Tedrick Thompson. Last year, T two was supposed to be the guy, the guy to replace Earl Thomas, and how much. He was talked about last offseason flying around and making plays. Mm-hmm. And, man, we can't wait to see this guy out there on the field. And I don't feel that from him at all. And this is the time to do it, bro. You have Bradley McDougald out. You have Delano Hill out. You have Marquise Blair out. All you have a your... chance to look like the best player on the field. Absolutely. And or you are, and he's simply not doing it. And, he, and not only that, but his body language does not reflect a, of a dude out there on the field. And I, I just don't know what's going on with that. And that gives me concern Stacy for looking forward in in this season if Bradley McDougald is not out there healthy and playing i am very very concerned about what this safety group or what this secondary group can look like he is the glue to this whole thing right now and with this patellar tendon you know revelation now i know he's healthy and he's feeling good about it but gosh i hope that this dude uh doesn't have any reoccurring injuries and can stay healthy cuz without him this is this is a group that's in big trouble. And Seahawks minicamp wasn't the only thing to happen today. Let's quickly recap the day with today's. Kevin Durant underwent surgery to repair his ruptured Achilles tendon. The Golden State Warrior entered Game 5 with a lingering calf injury. He was cleared to play, but he had to exit in the second quarter after suffering his torn Achilles. He said on Instagram earlier today, I'm hurting deeply, but I'm okay. Basketball is my biggest love, and I, want to be th- I wanted to be there that night because that's what I do. I wanted to help my teammates on our quest for the three-peat. For Kevin Durant, I really felt for him in this situation as a competitor you want to be out there for your teammates especially when they need you the most and game five was that point and simply this was a failure by the player this was a failure by the organization the team doctors the general manager of taking care of the player and I think with Kevin Durant he was also motivated by the fact that people were on the outside looking in saying that Kevin Durant was not a team player that he was not a guy that was all in about being a Golden State Warrior that he was in this for himself. And I think that that led to him ultimately making a decision that was not in the best interest of his overall health and his long-term health in the future. And you saw the result of that. And hats off to KD for wanting to come back, being competitive, being the, mm-hmm. the one of the best players in the world and wanting to make a difference for your teammates. I just hope that this doesn't affect him with his contract moving forward because he was about to get paid. And a story that just keeps getting weirder and more troubling. Uh, Today provided a quick update on David Ortiz. Five suspects have now been arrested as part of the June 9th shooting of the former Red Sox star, who's now in the States in stable condition. Investigators are treating the case as attempted murder. So this is from CNN. Dominican National Police Director Ney Aldrin Bautista Almonte said the suspects were offered the equivalent of about 7,800 U.S. dollars to carry out the hit. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. It is incredible to see what you know what a human life is worth uh and, and just uh, in the, the for for Otis to go back to his home country 
And for this to happen, it just is such a unique and bizarre situation. And I'm just so glad that this isn't in the result of the death of Ortiz. I'm glad that he is back in the States, that he's getting the treatment that he needs, and he's going to make a full recovery. But gosh, this is scary. This has to scare any former player. This is wild. I can't remember a story like this, at least from when I was an adult. Another disturbing story today. The UW Athletic Department is being criticized following a Seattle Times report released today that detailed their handling of a sexual assault of university university volleyball players. So this is from the Seattle Times. They said the victim, Cassandra Strickland, reported it to school officials and they investigated and found her allegations against senior associate athletic director Roy Schick to be credible. However, they shared the finding with just a small group of university and athletic department officials, reached a settlement with Strickland, and they did not report it to the police, which they say is in line with university policy. Yeah, this is this is an interesting one. Now, as we don't know all the details to this, and I'm sure there's going to be more information that comes out, uh, whether it's from the newspapers digging more or University of Washington, whatever it is, uh, you know, it's hard to kind of come out and, and have a comment about this specifically. But to me, this is a much bigger deal than the University of Washington. This is a national issue from campuses all across the mm-hmm. country in, in not handling this situation properly and with domestic with not domestic violence but with sexual assault across campuses this is a massive issue and to me the biggest issue in all of this is the fact that the universities have the ability to not report to the police that is the number one problem that i have with all of this this should be every time reported to the police and it should be investigated and done properly and not with the glasses of trying to protect our university and our university's image because that has happened way too often and it has put many victims in horrible situations and has allowed abusers to continue to keep abusing and feel empowered to do so. So I don't have all the details, so I can't fully comment on you know how things were properly handled or mistreated or whatever. But this is a much bigger issue that needs to be addressed and it needs to be changed. And that's the thing. It felt weird to just kind of slip it into the timeline for today. But I think because I think both of us think it does deserve a bigger conversation, but I think it deserves us kind of talking about it, uh, waiting for some more details and then having a conversation about that. Because it is a big issue that certainly deserves attention that would have felt cheap to just kind of try to give that to it today when we didn't have all the information. Uh, I'm going to try to end with a bit of a lighter story since today was pretty heavy. Uh, Kraft Foods is creating a brand of salad dressing marketed toward kids called Salad Frosting. So here's my thing. This just looks like ranch. So it looks like a frosting bag if you've ever decorated a cake. Uh, But it's essentially ranch. I don't think you're fooling kids. And also, what kid doesn't like ranch? I mean, maybe you have some preferences, but like salad dressing isn't really... You don't have to fool kids into liking salad dressing. Most of it's all sugar and oils and fat. I don't know. Like what kid is like... Unbelievable. I don't know if that's how you want to sneak those veggies in. I don't know. I mean, eventually kids are going to get smart and they're going to figure it out. I think I, I just looked up the packaging and the packaging looks like because... Uh, you know, uh, having a three-year-old and going through that process of like, it, it looks like one of those like apple sauces that that yeah. kids can have, and and so you might be able to fool them with something like that maybe first couple times, but eventually they're gonna figure it out. Salad frosting, I think it's a nice ploy by Kraft. We'll see if it works out. <laughs> I think it's a trick. It, is what it a, sounds it, like. It's a hundred percent a trick. Do you think Jackson would fall for this? Uh 
Possibly, yes. You should try it. Yes. Report we, back. We could send yeah. a reporter okay. to the field. All right. I will get some. I will get some salad frosting. Because maybe I'm wrong. Maybe no. kids will fall for it. Well, I will get some salad frosting and we'll hype it up. And because trust me, Jackson's favorite thing on a cupcake is frosting. He doesn't even eat the cupcake. He just takes off the the frosting at the it, top man. and leaves it and says, "Hey, Dad, can you finish this for me?" <laughs> uh, and so we'll see. We'll see if this happens. But again, my fear is is that he's just going to eat the frosting and leave the salad to me. Meaning he's just eating ranch. Here's exactly. Here's my thought about exactly. this. If Jackson doesn't like it, I say you bring it in. Curtis and I will we'll take that ranch off your guys' hands. <laughs> okay. That's totally fine with us. Got you. All right. Coming up next, Jake and I are going to talk about our first takeaways, first impressions from Seahawks minicamp. Now, that continues with the final day tomorrow, but we'll tell you what we're seeing on the field so far. That's next on Seattle Sports at Night. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seahawks minicamp, day two in the books, and I was there. Just me. Yes, yes you were. Okay. No one I w- else. I will no be there reporters. tomorrow. <laughs> Actually, I think a lot of the, like pretty much the whole 710 crew is going to be there tomorrow. Are we they? have an earlier practice. It's not as hot. Yeah, it was a it was a rough one. Today. Let's be honest, that was a big reason why. But you did go to minicamp yesterday, so I figure we combine these. We talk about our early thoughts of Seahawks uh, minicamp, kind of our biggest takeaways. Interestingly enough, I think we have a couple in common, but some interesting angles on this. So I'm going to start with my first one, which is that CJ Procise a looks healthy. And B, he's being incorporated into the passing game quite a bit, which I think was the initial plan for him. It's good for Seattle that he's able to be available since Chris Carson and Travis Homer both remain sidelined. Now, Travis Homer got some running in. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. Um, but I I don't think he was part of 11 on 11s. Chris Carson certainly wasn't. So it's kind of a best case scenario for CJ Procise. He hasn't necessarily cemented uh, his spot on the roster, although I think the team sees his ceiling is so high mm-hmm. that he's going to get opportunities. Yeah, there's without a doubt. He's gotten plenty of them. And to me, CJ Procise, and, and people may roll their eyes at this, but to me, this isn't even a question. If CJ Procise is healthy through training camp and through the preseason, he makes this roster mm-hmm. w- without question to me. And the reason why is because he has such a unique ability to run in between the tackles, and to be a legitimate threat in the passing game. And that's been C.J. Procise's problem this entire time here in Seattle is he has not been able to help be healthy. And when you talk about a guy being a pro, you just that has been a little bit in question in terms of his tenure here. And I think this, this time around, he understands that he's under a contract year. He knows that his longevity in this league is almost uh, nothing if he doesn't make this roster this year and show that he can be healthy because why would a team take a flyer on this guy? I mean, great, you were a talent two, three years ago and you haven't done anything since. A team isn't going to look at you and go, yep, I want to take that risk on. Uh, And so he has to show a lot of himself to other teams around the league, not just the Seahawks. And if he can stay healthy, they are using him a lot in a variety of different ways, Stacey, that makes me believe that they're not only – hoping he makes the roster, mm-hmm. but that they're planning on him being a part of this offense. And it would certainly help diversify that offense. We've talked before about trying to get uh, more uh, tight ends, not just blocking, but um, you know, doing two tight end sets, uh, having more running backs, uh, catching passes, just trying to 
without Doug Baldwin, with Tyler Lockett as your sure thing number one receiver, you've got to establish a surprise. Otherwise, teams are just going to be covering Tyler Lockett and knowing right. that you know they're going to make you one dimensional. Um, so I think that I would think that this team is really hoping Procise stays healthy and can finally make it work. It'll be interesting if he does because it w- it's it essentially be. the final year of his contract. And if this is the one year he just puts it together and makes it happen, you've got a really interesting contract situation, I think. You do. Um, my second takeaway, we, we already talked about it, but it was just that Bradley McDougal's injury was a bit more serious than I thought. But I think if you're looking at positives, I feel like I started off a little bit negative about this defense. So if we're talking about positives, I think that Bradley McDougal, after having played nine weeks on that injured patellar tendon, elected to have surgery to repair it. So he's coming in feeling healthier, feeling stronger. He is waiting until training camp. If you can get the guys that are sidelined either via injury or in Bobby Wagner's case, I, Bobby Wagner isn't going to miss the season, so I'm, I'm not going to count that in here. But the guys that are sidelined with injury, if they can get back sooner rather than later, this defense looks totally different. And that sounds elementary, but I do think that there is some stuff there that can really work. For sure. That's what they're counting on. They're counting on, unfortunately, the guys that have been injured the Bradley McDougals, mm-hmm. the Jaron Reeds, uh, the, Ziggy Ansa the coming Ziggy in Ansa, injured, exactly. Uh, KJ Wright, mm-hmm. uh, you know Michael Kendricks, even also other guys, become, Al Woods, yeah, Nas Al, Jones. Yep, those types of guys. A mix of those players, along with the young uh, cast of characters that they have, they are hoping that it all comes together. And if that veteran presence can be there, and those guys are producing, and those guys are. Uh, around these young guys, showing them how it's done, showing them what it looks like to be a pro on and off the field, uh, to me that is going to be a huge impact on this defense in the positive. And so uh, it looks tough right now because all those guys are not playing and not practicing, but uh, it quickly can get turned around through training camp, through the preseason, and as they get ready for week one. So there is a lot of ifs when it comes to this defense. There are a lot of question marks and you're just hoping that it all comes together because I think they have a really good piece. Mm-hmm. They have a really good uh, group that they have put together if it works right. And and that's the and that's the big question of is it comes down to more of injury and it also comes down to development. Injury and development are the two main things that you have to look about when it comes to this defense. You know what I think it is ultimately too is that I know we said this last year, but I feel like that's only heightened this year, is that this team used to have so many sure things on defense. Right. And it didn't matter if Cam Chancellor was sitting out a couple practices or Richard Sherman was or Earl Thomas. You had guys that you could pen in as starters, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill. So, I mean, it's been a total of this is maybe the second total season where there were not just a lot of open uh, kind of position battles, but a lot of guys where you don't know quite yet what they bring to the table. What right. is Rasheem Green as a second-year player? How about Jacob Martin as a second-year player? How about Trey Flowers? There's a lot of guys that um, they could burst and have an amazing season, um, but you don't know yet. Correct. And this is just the second season that Seattle is facing that. For sure. It, it, this also is a huge season on defense in particular to, to determine where this franchise is at in the long term. Are they close to getting back to Super Bowl contention or are they farther than what we think? Mm-hmm. That, to me, is is a huge question that uh, you have to look at. And, and to me, there's a lot of players that are going to be just, you know, some of the names that you rattled off are going to be a big factor in determining that. 
If those players, Trey Flowers, Jacob Martin, Rasheem Green, Shaq Griffin, uh, Marquise Blair, uh, those types of players can step up the season, then they are very much in the hunt for Super Bowl contention in the next couple years. Uh, if they are not, then you are extremely behind the eight ball and you have to mm-hmm. use, once again, an offseason to draft well and see if you can add the right pieces, young pieces around this nucleus in 2020 and 2021 to eventually get you there. So this is a critical offseason not or critical season, not just for some of the players uh, individually, but also as a team ready and trying to make a Super Bowl run in this four or five year window when you have Russell Wilson under contract. You know, we focus, speaking of Russell Wilson, we focus so much on the defense so far, but you had an interesting takeaway about wide receiver chemistry in Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think that this thing is much farther along than we anticipated. There was was a big question coming in, and uh, we didn't know how to feel about it. With Doug Baldwin's absence and him retiring ultimately and the team cutting him, this was a huge, huge uh, void that had to be filled. And it hasn't been done yet. We haven't played a single game yet. But, man, have I really liked what I've seen from this group so far. And so has Russell Wilson. Yeah, we definitely want to try to get together in, in, in the summertime and throw a lot of footballs together and, make, and have some fun, too. So uh, that's always that's always the great part about the summertime. And if I'm Russ, I, I have to be extremely excited about the fact that Jaron Brown has had his best offseason uh, in the two years that he's been here. He has really stepped up. David Moore, I think, is continuing to progress. He hasn't been lights out in every single route across across the board, but he's becoming more reliable and gaining that trust with Russell. Uh, and DK continues to show uh, the talent that he is and will continue to be a factor, uh, and, and that chemistry will grow more and more as they get into camp and preseason games and all those things. But you also have to look at, at, after those four guys, Tyler Lockett, Jaron Brown, David Moore, and DK Metcalf, there is a very healthy competition at receiver. And you have to love the fact that Gary Jennings is now starting to get healthy and starting to practice more. He's back and, out today, which cor- is great news correct. for Seattle. It, that's very encouraging to me because he could be a big-time difference maker and a guy that I was very excited about when they drafted and I started doing a little bit more research on. I think he can be a really big difference maker. But then you look at who's battling in the slot slot positions right now. Terry Wright, John Ursua, uh, Keenan Reynolds. There's some very good receivers on this roster, and uh, they are making plays out there. And and uh, and I think that from the top down, uh, overall, people are very, very excited about what this receiver group looks like. And I think it has proved to have shown that it's better than what people are anticipating. It'll be one of the more interesting position battles this summer as we watch the Seahawks in training camp after their six-week break. From one type of football to another, on Big If True Next, we're going to talk about why people are mad at Team USA after their win over Thailand. That's next on Seattle Sports at Night. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Seahawks insider Stacey Rost here with the quarterback, Jake Heaps. You know, Jake, uh, the U.S. women's national team beat Thailand on Tuesday it was an amazing game for the U.S. at least. They won 13-0, to so they took a 3-0 lead into halftime and then scored 10 more times in yeah, the final 45 exploded. minutes. Exploded. Yes, no big deal. I had it on, and like every time you looked up in the last 45 minutes, you were like, what happened? 
Um, so it's great, obviously, if you are a U.S. soccer fan. But a couple people took exception to this. I think two comments in particular make tonight's big, if true. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Tonight's big, if true, comes to us from a Canadian network, TSN. An analyst on TSN called the performance of the U.S. women's national team disgraceful. Now, here's why she said that. She said, I think she took issue with particularly the celebration of the goals. Now, okay. I, I can't tell if they're mad at the U.S. running up the score. I can't think they are because it's the extra goals count when you're when you're in the hunt. But yeah, it, for for tiebreakers, like right. you can't tell them to just take the mercy rule that this isn't. This isn't everybody gets a They're trophy type athletes. of... They're professional athletes on the biggest stage with exactly. the biggest implications at stake. So here's what she had to say about the team's performance in general. This was disgraceful from the United States. I would have hoped they could have won with humility and grace, but celebrating goals 8, 9, 10, the way they were doing, it was really unnecessary. Not great. And uh, <laughs> I think that the the thing that really made... Uh, the Brockensock show this morning, the part that they love the most was uh, these analysts saying there's no way Canada would ever do this. I'm all about passion. Um, and I think as a Canadian, we would just never, ever think of doing something like that. Oh, um, we played against the Americans before where you have a player of Christine Sinclair scoring three goals and she would never even think about counting how many goals she has on one hand. For me, it's disrespectful. It's oh. disgraceful. Um, I just hats off to Thailand for holding their head high. I mean, their first time on a World Cup stage. I'd love to be there to just hug them all. Okay. Oh, Can give I just, me a right, break. The ending to me is kind of offensive. What do you mean to hug them all? They're professional athletes. Like, why are we showing like as if female athletes deserve some special handling and special sympathy? I'm sure that team was mad. Like, if I'm those players, I bet they were like, man, like we're gonna come back better than ever. And I, I get the debate about running up a score and the celebration afterwards. That's a debate that is has gone on forever. It's uh, when the Seahawks beat the Cardinals 58-0 to in one of the worst blowouts in football history. That was in 2012. Mm-hmm. Jake, I think you were three, four years old? Yes. Going on? Okay. Yes. Almost in elementary school. You were almost there. Um, it. I mean, it was a debate then. I get it. Like, I get that this is part of a conversation. Saying I just want to hug them makes me feel as a woman, that there's some extra sympathy for female athletes, and I don't like that. Well, yeah, you need to be coddled, and you need to be given a hug, and I just yeah. wanted to go out there and give them those poor ladies a hug. Like, come on. No. Give me a break. I don't like that. They were probably furious, and I know that from an athlete perspective, if I just got yeah. my butt whooped 13 to 0, I don't want to hug. Get nope. away from me. You're mad. And and you're right. That should be the attitude for Thailand that they got an opportunity to come on the biggest stage, an amazing accomplishment for them for the first time in country history, and they got shown real quick that they have a lot to keep working on and to improve on, and that should be a motivating factor for them. That should be a lifelong deal for them that they should go, that is this is the moment that we turn things up a notch. And 
to me, it's just so condescending. Of course, oh, us Canadians, we wouldn't do this. Like, give me a break. Give me a break. You. Oh, it was the it was the United States uh, bandwagon Toronto fans that were booing KD. Yeah, uh, don't it, it was, they were they were there for Drake. They are not Canadians. That's exactly don't right. Don't believe them that's for exactly a minute. Right. But but also to me, you look at this and you have to see this in a different lens. This is not a normal MLS uh, type of game or mm-hmm. a or a uh, you know for for women's professional league. This is not your normal league that you're just playing in yeah. every year and you're seeing these opponents all the time. This is the World Cup. Right. Would this you go easy on someone in the playoffs? That you could possibly get. But also think about this, Stacey. The World Cup, this isn't played every single year, right? This is played every four years. And this is a huge opportunity for ladies that have been dreaming of this moment. And you don't have a bunch of veterans that were playing on that team or mm-hmm. that made those goals. And I love the fact that Alex Morgan, when talking about this, she was looking at it going, Hey, we had three we had three teammates of mine that were that scored goals for the first time who were playing in their first ever game. Yes. And yeah, I'm gonna celebrate the heck out of that because I know how big of an accomplishment and how special that moment is well, and I'm in the because moment. I had that moment. you know. So when Mal Pugh scores and when Sam Mewis scores and when Rose Lavelle scores, oh, you're just not supposed to celebrate that? You're yeah. not supposed to celebrate that moment with them? I love the fact that you they Because you want to be nice? Absolutely. I mean, as these are as... all athletes on both sides. For sure. And I get not showing up the other opponent and having sportsmanship yeah. and all those things. But at the same time, soccer is a little bit different when people – score a goal they freak out like nobody's business more so than people scoring a touchdown so it it is a big deal and celebrating uh, special moments like that I don't I don't see as unsportsmanlike and not a bad thing and I just find it absolutely comical of these comments coming from where they're coming from I don't think this was the intention of the analyst um, who is a woman and obviously works for a sports network and I'm sure um, would would love to boost recognition for women's soccer in the national uh, team but what I will say is it did rub me a little bit the wrong way just the idea that that women have to be that we somehow have to be like classier or more polite or more dignified in what we're doing like again i i just think you go hard your adrenaline is pumping through your veins you're well, on a world stage i think this is a conver- i don't know uh, stacy i think this is a conversation that could happen on both sides yeah, of it. men you're, and you're women right, you know 13 right. 13 up 13 oh and and i mean i i remember vividly watching uh uh watching kellen moore and uh, their Prosser teams just absolutely light up the scoreboard and throwing bombs when they're up like yeah. 60 to zero. To me, that's unsportsmanlike. In the game of soccer, I believe that when you play hard all the way through, there's there's not much you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't dial up plays to continue to, to go for it. You, the game just naturally happens. Uh, and, and I also, you can't fault these you know ladies who are pl- again playing in their first ever game you're telling them not to go score goals for what for thailand's feelings like right. and, and again we've talked about this before it is important to run up the score almost because if you are in a tiebreaker you situation you separate yourself by as many goals as you can exactly. and it just normally isn't 13 exactly and so if you got a problem with celebrating goals when you're up 12 every goal it matters every goal is important and every goal is exciting and especially to those of those different circumstances so to me, it's just it's too much to sit here and say that they were being unsportsmanlike because I don't I don't see it that way at all. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, I get the conversation about sportsmanship. I get where these analysts are trying to go. I just, I really don't think it deserves to be called disgraceful and and classless. I, I think these athletes have respect for the game and I don't know. I just don't, I don't think it's that serious, you guys. No. All right, coming up next, send in your text questions. We are going to go into the Ask Us Anything segment. Text the Coors Light text line at 710-710. We'll get to your questions next on Seattle Sports at Night. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. Our final segment of the night is Ask Us Anything. You can send in your questions to our Coors Light text line at 710-710. You're here with me, Seahawks insider Stacey Rost, and the quarterback, Jake Heaps. Jake, from the 206, we were just talking about showboating. Uh, Have you ever done anything that could be perceived as showboating? Yeah, I was a pretty fiery player in high school and, and did things that, probably drew a lot of attention sometimes in ah. terms of just like celebrating a lot not not crazy but getting fired up and you know if if opposing fans were you know jabbing at me or whatever I'd eventually give it back during the game it's so we weird because I can't imagine you but, doing this. but the funny thing is is that I've met a lot of people that instantly they've had some sort of you could tell that they've had some sort of guard or that they don't like me for some reason uh-huh. And then we talk and have a conversation. They're like, oh, man, I thought you were the biggest jerk in high school uh, just watching you play. I don't know why. I just thought you were, you know, this cocky jerk, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Like, why would you think that? You know, no. it, it happened. And it's and it's not just a couple. Com- like, Me and Curtis are the mean lot, ones. A lot of conversations. And yes, if there were any of them. It would definitely be Stacy and Curtis. What do you think are the mean things that people not mean things? What's the most common kind of negative perception people have or maybe just the most common perception in general like I find that the most common thing people think about me mm-hmm. is that I'm shy which is weird or that I'm yeah uh, that's not you at all or that I'm I'll use a better word kind of bratty because mm. I think I have okay I resting could, brat face I, I, well you resting brat face <laughs> <laughs> uh no i i think that that could i could see that i could see you know right. well, as, mean, you, as you as you as you strut around on the practice field like i could see you know judging where people the, yeah just you glaring know glaring at people exactly I, I i could see that um but have you ever gotten into a situation of showboating i in not your, really in your well i just swim career i exactly i played one sport growing up and i started when i was 14 we've had very different athletic lives so i i probably only have this instance of showboating which is it is uh proper etiquette when when you're uh, at a swim meet to stay in the pool until everyone is done okay um it's really really rude to get out before people are done swimming it's like the Probably the most offensive thing you could do. Gotcha. So like, it's just really tacky. You're so you're so slow. You get out that and you, yeah. I I just have. I've I, literally never seen long. anyone do it. Like okay. it's it's maybe it's so rude. Okay. Um. And so so one time it was the first time ever that I finished first in in uh my race, which was uh the 100 meter fly. I finished first. I was so excited. I couldn't believe I did it. That I jumped out of the pool and I ran over to my team and it looked awful. Like that. I just it it. I probably looked like the biggest jerk. And my coach wow. was like, "What are you doing?" Like I'm taking steps toward them, and she's like, "Get back in the pool." 
<laughs> so I went back and jumped back in the pool. It was wow. just all of it was just such a the mess. the cockiest swimmer yeah. out there. Stacey, yep. act like you've been there before, okay? No, I had not been there before. That's the problem. Uh, let's that is awesome. see. I love that you had no idea what you were doing. Nope. Nope. Uh, Jake, have you ever seen a movie too depressing to watch again? Yeah, this is very easy. Marley and Me. Oh. When I watched sad. Marley and Me, like, that was yeah. the saddest movie ever. That checks uh, it, out. It, it was one of those things where I thought it was a really good movie, but it didn't matter like the fact that it was a good movie or not did not do anything for me i left so sad and depressed and it was around the time where my childhood dog had died as well so like it cut me deep so you're like i don't want to revisit that yeah yeah it hit a little too close to home man i think mine are more dark movies like requiem for a dream i get that it's an incredibly uh, like artistic, amazing film. I have no intention of ever watching it again. Like it just made me feel gross and sad. Um, maybe same with Black Swan, another movie I really okay. enjoyed th- the first viewing and was like, you know what? I'm done with that one though. I can check out. Uh, I'll remember it. It was great, but I am not revisiting it. And uh, yeah, I think, was it Blue Valentine? Basically just movies that are maybe like tragic and beautiful and i understand it but that's not what i want to watch really twisted but that's not what i want to watch everything goes wrong i don't want to see it happening knowing it's going wrong um let's see if you could go back in time and prevent any non-life-threatening sports injury who would you save that is a i think the first answer is like a bo jackson but what if oh yeah yeah without a doubt if bo jackson could have kept playing what that would have looked like i know would yeah. you have had the first athlete to, like, for an extended period of time, play in both the MLB and NFL? Yeah, that would have been sweet. I, it I would think have been so I, crazy. It would have been. I mean, it would have been incredible. Uh, and the legend of Bo Jackson just would have been even bigger. But I think the one that comes to mind, my childhood favorite quarterback was Steve Young. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and And Steve Young was so fun to watch and uh, looked up to him a lot. And um, he had to exit his football career early because of concussions. Mm-hmm. So um, would have loved to have seen what he could have done with a, with a few more years left on his career if he hadn't you know gotten all those head injuries. Yeah, I have to wonder if it would have happened if he played now. There's just so many more protections. Oh, for sure. I, I, or people are at least just very aware of like the penalty that you could get for roughing the passer. And Yeah, well, Steve also played it, the game recklessly too yeah. because people forget how mobile he Scrambled, was and, and yeah. he, was, he had great running ability. And you talk about Russell Wilson taking care of his body and sliding and getting out of bounds and all those things. Steve Young did not do a very good job of that. Speaking of Russell Wilson, from the 206, is it fair to keep comparing Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson? I'm reading this as the two have been compared, and I'm interpreting it as the question asker saying that Andrew Luck is constantly held in a really high kind of esteem, even though Russell Wilson technically has done a lot more. For sure. This this debate has been fascinating to watch over the years, and and. Andrew Luck being the number one overall pick in that year and and Russell falling all the way to the third round. And Russell Wilson has accomplished more, a heck of a lot more than Andrew Luck in his career up to this point. And I, I trust me, look, I look at Andrew Luck and he is a tremendous talent. Yeah. Uh, he has uh, unfortunately been hit with injuries. He's also dealt with some pretty middle-of-the-road teams. They're in Indianapolis and they're finally turning things around and he had a really strong year last year. But to me, it's it's 
kind of comical that they're getting compared because once again, it wasn't like this was number one and number two pick in the draft. It's just it, like one of the more successful quarterbacks that kind of surprised people. Yes. And then someone that everyone was expecting to be the second coming of Peyton Manning. Right. And it, so it's like, well, who are they going to compare him to if it's not Russell Yeah, and Wilson? instantly and instantly, when Andrew Luck starts to perform well, he instantly has a contingency of fans that want to catapult him over Russell Wilson. Oh, sure. And I'm sorry, that just that can't be done. And Andrew Luck has a lot more to prove in his career than what Russell Wilson has right now. And to me, Andrew Luck has to put in a lot of great seasons ahead of him to even catch up to what Russell has done. And and I don't think that's going to happen. So it, it's it's a fascinating, you know, always a funny debate when I see it. And uh, it's amazing. You know, we all get we all become homers of our quarterbacks. And uh, and to me, when you just break it down very simply, now, Russell has, without a doubt, had the better career so far. I like this question. What's the weirdest thing the weird kid at your school did? Uh, I, I, <laughs> I know that you can think of one. Yeah, this is a pretty intense one, actually. So oh, the, the weird kid at our school ended up writing Is this going to be sad? No, it's pretty intense, though. He ended up writing a bomb threat. What? Jake, on the, this went in a direction the, I was not planning. I he, thought you were going to say he ate but crayons. Here, but here's the thing. like, He just wrote it as like a joke. Like he just wanted to see how everybody would react to it. Like he wrote that, you know, bombs would be the school on this day. Whatever. Was this in high school? Uh, this was at Skyline High School in Issaquah High School for two years. Had a freshman campus. Okay, to okay. try and avoid, uh, uh, you know, going from three A to four A. So right. they created a freshman campus to keep their numbers down. And so Skyline and Issaquah students went to school together for freshman uh, as a freshman for two years. And I was there that second year, and and so it was just a that's where it happened, and it was such a weird thing. And the kid, I'll never forget, like the officers came in, they got it, like it was a it was Whoa. a big deal, like it wasn't just regular officers, it was like SWAT, and uh, and you know we were all notified of what was going on, and yeah, and and, and the poor poor kid, I don't think he really understood the. It was just a dumb joke that went way too far. Correct, way too far. Yeah, that's not the joke you want to pull. See, I was thinking more of like the kid that I'm thinking of in elementary school, which is the the kid that ate ants. Ooh. Like that's kind of, yeah that's, yeah, that's the direction I was going in with that one. Like was this, did this happen often or was it? You know, I just know that it happened one time. Oh. Um, yeah, you never come back from that. Well, that's no, all I think when remember. you're a kid, you just try to do weird things to feel different and special. Mm-hmm. Like I ate uh, Starburst with the wrappers on one time because someone was like, I was getting a reaction from it, so I kept doing it. Mm. So clearly it was one of those. You know what I mean? You just yeah. do weird things yeah, yeah. when you're a kid. Yeah. Your look, okay, that's, yeah, that's a look full of judgment. <laughs> that's a That'll little do weird. it for us Is tonight. Star- Star- that's it. No, we're Leaving done. the paper on Starburst? You're real cool. <laughs> Can you, imagine, can you imagine if now I was like, hey, Jake, check it out. And then e- eating candy with the wrapper wa- I would walk away Jealous? right now. Oh, you think you're good at something, huh? Well, guess what? I can do things, too. We're so stupid as kids. Like, what? Just think about what we tried to do stupid to get things. approval, right? Just yeah. Just absolutely wild. So really when I, dumb. When I hear, what, you know, because a lot of time when I'm dealing uh, with high school athletes and quarterbacks in particular, just... Sometimes they tell me like their drama that's going on in their lives. And There's I'm just so like, much pressure oh though. But when gosh. you're in high school, the world is high school or or a middle school for that for matter. Sure. But especially high school, it's like you can't imagine. It feels real. Like There's, it really does feel real sure. in that There's moment. There's zero perspective. No, zero Which is, perspective. It's just how it's going to be forever for all of time. Correct. But it's 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 so funny to see it when you're 
far removed from that. That'll do it for us tonight. Uh, Tune in tomorrow for our Thursday show. That'll be on at 7 with a day game for the Mariners. Until then, thank you for listening to Seattle Sports at Night.